Hello, friends, and welcome to CCM in 3D. If you're new, welcome. Thanks for joining us on this podcast about uh, classic contemporary Christian music from those amazing 10 years between 1985 and 1995. I'm Dan. I'm Derek. And I'm Dave. And we are just fans of the era. We got uh, some great artists we talk about on this podcast, albums, songs of the time, and today we got a special one. We're going to go back to what nineteen? What is this? Eighty-five? Yeah. Yes. And yep. Striper, huge artist, huge act yes. back in the day. And their album, which just makes it into our years, is "Soldiers Under Command" in nineteen eighty-five. Yeah. Um, and to tease a little bit on the special podcast today, we actually have an interview with Michael Sweet at the end of this so stay tuned for that um and you know is our in-house radio personality here mr dave did an interview with uh, in a bonafide studio that's yes, right you sure did it was a that's real right. studio guys <laughs> it was so, so when you get to the end the sound is amazing so you know that's i'm right. looking at our podcast budget right here and i'm still got nothing for a studio so you know i think yeah. we're almost up to a cheap pair of headphones but okay uh, good but yeah. i call dibs on the headphones yes yeah, so oh, maybe man. someday but, uh... <laughs> okay dave you can have them all right thank you Derek. i appreciate it cool. so yeah so we'll get to hear some what uh, uh, Said something about the van too, and the yeah, album that, cover. He's going to talk a little a good, bit about. That's a oh good boy. tease, Dan. So uh, during the interview, I talked to Michael about the van used on the cover, and it's a really interesting story. <laughs> okay. So oh, there's man. another tease for the interview following our podcast, uh, <laughs> or follow our review of the album. That's yeah. right. Perfect. <laughs> so there you go. Perfect. So you know, in Striper, just in general, you know, back in the day was came on strong and for those who don't know i guess who striper is um they're really a glam what do you call it glam rock i guess yeah um, maybe back of, then yeah then, metal yeah, yeah metal lo- lo- long hair and teased hair and hairsprayed hair and <laughs> i don't know and <laughs> but uh, and then black and yellow outfits yeah, yes that was kind of their trademark right yeah, their the trademark and yellow and black yeah, and then like I mean, their stage was just always what huge and with um, you know big cross in the middle typically, um, and that kind of thing. So, and they the, this album that we're going to talk about today was the first of their albums to go what gold. Yeah, it went gold. Yeah, yeah, and the first Christian metal act to ever go gold. Right. Yep. Um, right. So that, so that was a big thing back in the day. Um, and it cons- and then the band consists of, well, in this album, it consists of so Michael Sweet and his brother um, Robert do the Robert yep, yep. do the um, most of the songwriting and stuff like that right and then yeah. Oz Fox is bass guitar uh, guitar yeah guitar yeah yep. guitar and then uh, Tim Gary Richardson on this uh, Tim Gaines on this one okay yeah, yeah Tim Gaines, Gaines. yeah 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 so. Uh, I got all four of those just about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I will point kind of out that... all around it. There. Exactly. <laughs> now, Robert Sweet is not the drummer. Do you remember what he was called back then? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, Derek. Oh, yeah, he was the visual timekeeper. Right. That was his title back then, was yeah. the visual timekeeper. So I always thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. He was we the ever, drummer. Did we ever find out where that came from? What, what is that? I don't uh, know. I, I, okay. I don't know. I've never heard. But I don't know either. There's some good homework for the listener to look up and see 
why they started calling Robert the visual timekeeper. Right. Now, yeah. I, I did see, Dave and I always have this discussion, self-reference, self-referencing back to the, several of our other podcasts. Dave, were you at their concert when they came here in 1985? Unfortunately, Derek, I was not. No, you were not. But I was, and I have pictures from my Polaroid Instamatic camera that I had back then. (laughs) I would have been, I think, a sophomore in high school or maybe a junior. Probably a sophomore, but um, we're getting ready to launch a Facebook page, and we'll be sure to put those pictures up there that I shot as a wee lad back then, and on, we'll put them on our Facebook page and be sure to link to that now, some, uh, in the show notes. Something they were known for in their shows, and not, did they do this when you saw them, Derek? Did they throw Bibles out to the crowd? They sure did. Yes, I had go. one. I got you one. You did? Really? I, I do not have it anymore, but oh. I, 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 yeah, I did get one. Yep. Awesome. Hmm. Yes, yeah. I did get that. Um, and the other thing I definitely remember about that concert was – um, that Robert Sweet, the visual timekeeper of the group, his drum kit was turned sideways so he could look out uh, at the audience if he t- looked over his left shoulder. Yes, so that's his, right. His snare, his snare hand, you know, if he looked yep. over his left shoulder, he could look out into the, to the uh, concert audience. So yep. that's another thing I kind of remember about the setup of their stage was that he was turned sideways. That was interesting. Unique. I remember yeah. seeing that in the videos, you know, like uh, for calling on you. There's a point where he looks out in the crowd and, you know, he, he's playing the drums. Yeah, that, that was unique. Yep. Yep. I do not remember anything about how loud it was. Now, this I should preface that by saying that um, I grew up, my parents owned a ticketing agency. So I could literally go to any concert at the Kansas Coliseum for free. So oh, wow, I saw any and everything um, from just Iron Maiden to Judas Priest to Van Halen to, so I'm sure they were not as loud as those arena rock acts. So um, I'm sure it was plenty loud inside the cotillion, but um, I probably wasn't as loud as some of the others that I'd seen. (laughs) That is awesome. Anyway, I didn't see them on that tour, but I did end up, fortunately I got to see them once and that was on the in God we trust tour um, a few years later. And they had a, a secular band opening up for them that night. And I won't make you guess because I doubt you guys will, will guess it. But it was, do you remember White Lion? Of yes. course, yes. Yeah, their big song yes. was Wait. Yeah, they, yep. were, they opened for that show. And, uh, yeah, Striper came out and they put on a, a great show as they always did. Always a lot of fun because they had so much going on, you know, on the stage with all the all the yellow and black and the huge drum kit that Robert had and, you know, yeah. all of the stage, but yeah, good stuff. Now, what did you see them in California or did you see them in Wichita? Actually, I saw them in Springfield, Missouri, where I was going to college. Oh, okay. Oh, and gotcha. uh, our whole dorm floor, pretty much, we were all big fans and, uh, and we all went to that show. In fact, I will post a picture of us all on our Facebook page once we get it up and going uh, before we head to the Striper show, all in black and gold. But, Perfect. Uh, but, oh, that's uh, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. even we even hung around and stalked the band and and saw them walking out and got to talk to them afterwards and we just thought we were the best thing, the coolest thing you know, in the world at that point because we got to talk to Striper. But oh, uh, that's great. Yeah. These guys, uh, these guys were were huge back in this time frame. So I'm glad we're gonna. They talk, were. We're gonna talk about them. That's great. Well, and they've other and then they had other uh, successes. I mean, they opened for 
bands like Rat and Bon Jovi and I mean through the years and yeah. Michael Sweet is still making music um with the name Striper. Yep. So they've been around a very long time, of course. Um, now, preceding this was the Yellow and Black Attack. Then, 85, here we have Soldiers Under Command. And right after that, we get to Hell with the Devil. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Hell with the Devil comes out with big hits. It goes, I think, it, and it goes to like 2 million copies or something like that. I mean, right. over, selling over 2 million and just had huge hits in 1987. Very popular on MTV even yep um mm-hmm. the second i think christian band to get music on mtv first being the garmo key with 666 right <laughs> yep. uh, but uh yeah so uh this one really launched everything yeah right. that. it um, did yep and like so we, we've been talking about certified gold and for those you know who don't know what that means anymore uh certified gold means they sold five hundred thousand copies mm-hmm. of the album but Apparently, they originally only made 200,000 copies. Huh, oh, interesting. And yeah. So it sold out super fast. And then they had to go back and make a whole bunch more. Yeah. Um, so, now, yeah. Was, this, was this you guys' first um, uh, kind of introduction to Striper? Did you have Yellow and Black Attack or, or what? How did you guys well, hear them? Well, for me, my first was, well, I guess to say that I first heard their music, it was from Soldiers. Um, I heard, okay. I heard the title track, and it makes me want to sing. Um, but as far as like owning the first album I bought was "To Hell with the Devil," and then I went back and bought this, and I bought "Yellow and Black Attack." Okay. Um, but as far as like exposure yeah. to their music, yeah, it was from this album right here. Okay. What about you, Dan? Was there, yeah. So for was, me, was I was there... one. I was one of those two million with "To Hell with the Devil." Gotcha. And, and then went back <laughs> to this one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now they released a cassette single of the two Christmas songs um, Winter Wonderland and Reason for the Season Right. And, and I remember I had that cassette single and that was my first exposure to them was the oh. two Christmas songs and then not, not long after that they put those two Christmas songs on Yellow and Black Attack Yeah. so then I had them again with Yellow and Black Attack and then I got Soldiers and then I got uh, to Hell with the Devil. And I think after that is probably pretty much um, the last thing I got from, from Striper. Uh, and God We Trust was the next one after? Yeah, that came out in 88. That was the next okay, one. Okay, that's yep. right. That's yep. right. That's right. Okay, that sets the parameters for me. Then. Yeah, okay. All right, well, I want to dive and, in. I'll go ahead. Yeah, so real quick before we dive in, though, too, the, let's talk about the cover real quick since Michael's oh, yeah. going to talk about it later. So. Again, for those who can't see, we'll try to describe it here, but they have this yellow and black, what, maybe battle van, or I don't know what, yeah, yeah. emergency <laughs> van, I don't know what right. it is. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but it it's a souped-up like, suburban. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, they're standing they're standing on it and around it with, is that their guitars, their instruments? No, or, no I can't quite like machine guns. They've actually got machine guns, and there's like they do have uh, guns. Yeah, like uh, warheads there next to Oz. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. so it is, it is guns. All right. Yeah. And then on the yeah. inside, they are standing there with their instruments and things. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, the cover has this yeah, battle van thing, and then of course their trademark is this Isaiah fifty three five. Yes, referencing uh, by his stripes we are healed. So that's where they apparently take the name. Yep. Right. So yeah. Um, and you know, as we get into this, 
you know, we've talked about how things are, they sound a little eighties and we don't necessarily want to judge them because, well, they sound eighties at the time and maybe don't translate quite as well today. Any thoughts on that? Oh yeah. It, I, I like all kinds of albums that sound eighties. So yeah. I, I think my criticism, any, any shortcomings in the album wouldn't trend toward that way. I don't think. Okay. So yeah. yeah. I, I, go ahead, Dave. I was going to just going to add, I, I feel the same way. The only eighties trend that bothers me about the album and all of the metal bands are doing this back then was they turned the bass down and the bass is not yes. that prominent. Um, whereas w- with the hell of the devil, you know, the bass was fantastic. So that's my only really 80s criticism of this album is that one right there. Yeah. But that's the entire 80s for you right yeah, there. It is, yeah. Right. Circa, yeah. Right. circa 85. <laughs> yep. So the one thing I will say is that um, I'm looking at several. Um, I just pulled up Google Images while we were talking here and noticed that the name of the album is not on the front cover. Oh, yep. yeah. It's not. Right. Um, obviously, the scripture reference, Isaiah 53 5, is there, you know, by stripes we are healed. Um, but if you didn't know any better, you'd think the name of the new Striper album was Isaiah 53 5. True. Now it's on mm-hmm. the back. So I think that's an interesting. Uh, I don't know why they did that. It's an interesting decision why they did that. Yeah. And so I'm not seeing. I'm seeing multiple, like, CD covers and LP covers were. The name of the album's not on the front. You have to turn it over to look. So, I don't yeah, know. I think on the on the cassette they have it like in yellow, uh, striper toward the bottom. Oh, okay. Uh, Maybe so. Soldiers under command in red and just very very plain. <laughs> Looks like it was typed out. Soldiers under command. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Uh, but yeah. Well, I've got I've got the CD copy and it's. Oh, uh, there you go. Oh, there you go. Perfect. It's just like the album cover, Derek. Yeah. All you see yeah. is the okay. uh, Isaiah fifty three five name of the album okay. is not on the cover. Good question. Now, but not, do you but not, have but not quite as far as Petra's beat the system, where literally there's nothing on the cover? True. Yeah. yeah, it's a kid. It's a kid with some TVs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dave, is your um, is your copy of the CD on Enigma Records, or is it a later? It's funny because this one is on Hollywood Records. Oh, so it's a later one. It's a later one. Yeah. Um, which, when I was looking stuff up for the podcast, I, that's something I noticed, and, and I'm like, huh, because I know they were on Enigma, um, yep. who signed a lot of metal bands back in the day, like Poison, you know, Poison came, yep. and, and Striper both came out of the California, the L.A. club scene, um, yep. and they both signed to Enigma, but I, on this one, it says Hollywood Records, so. Okay, yeah. so you got a later edition, okay, yeah. makes sense, makes sense. And then this is produced by Michael Wagner. Yes. Who ends up doing a lot of other metal type bands, right? So Michael Wagner worked with Metallica and many others. Um, so, I, and I think Michael's going to talk a little bit about that later, right? Yeah. Yeah. He'll talk okay. about working with him a little bit and why they uh, sought him out for this album. Nice. So, yeah. But this guy was really well known, as Derek alluded to. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, so. Number one track was Soldiers Under Command. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think it does a great job introducing to, you know, Striper album here, unabashedly Christian, no guessing what they're singing about. Right. Um, and just rocks right off the bat. Uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Same here. Uh, 
it's really I think the band's anthem. They still do it live, even you know when they're doing shows now. And you're right, the message is just straightforward in it. The, the good book it says we'll win. And of course, Oz is. I will say this a lot. Oz's guitar solo is unreal on this one. Uh, this is just this is one of my top five striper songs. Just you know, great anthem. Yeah, nice. it's a good one to start off the the album with. That's for sure. Starting it off positive and strong. So right, yeah. Um, and then it goes into makes me want to sing, and I think. And again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with these tracks. I want to get the Michael here, but <laughs> uh, makes me want to sing a great sing-along song. Yes, you know, so it does make me want to sing. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah, yeah. This one's a that's a it's a good one. It's it's. I think this might be close to my favorite one on the album. Um, this one and maybe another one later, but yeah, boy. The, the, how about the high note at the end? Oh man, Michael, Michael sings. <laughs> it's unreal. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 no surprise that. Um, when Boston was looking around for a singer after the death of Brad Delp, that they yes. glommed on to Michael Sweet for a while to sing for Boston. Oh, they did. So, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah they that. sure did. He sang with them for a few years and did yep. it sounded great. You're right because he voice, sounded good. Yeah, his voice is way up there, like like Delp's was. And uh, here at the end of this song, he goes way up. I don't know how he hit it, but he went way up there. And yep. What, the thing I always remember about this song, and I mentioned in the interview, so I won't say a lot about it, but. The, this was the first time I saw them on TV was they performed this at the Dove Awards. And oh, wow. And I remember he hit that note at the end, and the song ends, and there's like a pause. And so you don't know how the crowd's going to react. You know, yeah. Because <laughs> back then, the GMA Dove Awards was so conservative. But, yes. But he actually, in the interview, he talks about the kind of response they got. But uh, that was my introduction to this song. And, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Derek. I think this is one of the best on the album. Yeah. Please tell me that that performance at the Devil Awards has been digitized and it's on YouTube. It is. It's it? on YouTube. It absolutely okay, is. Okay, perfect. Good. Just, Good. just search Striper Devil Awards and you'll get to watch it. Oh, uh, it's great. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure GMA was just totally on top of it and they followed them up with like Twyla Paris or yeah, right. exactly Larnell Harris. Here's probably. a here's a Larnell Harris. Right. Well, well, here's a little oh, trivia, right. a little trivia bit for you. Uh, You'll never guess, so I won't make you guess, but who introduced them? Tammy Wynette and Pat Boone. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Or the, that, or the MCs. That speaks the volumes right there. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, yeah, there's, oh there's my some more goodness. homework. You know, if you're, if you're listening, go, go to YouTube and look up Striper and Dove Awards, and it'll be well worth your, like, two and a half minutes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Together Forever is number three. And yeah. uh, my favorite part of this uh, is the double, I think a double bass drum at the end where he's just playing or I don't know, somewhat, something's kicking in there. It's very right. Bad. Yeah. So love it. Yeah. That'd be the visual timekeeper. Yeah. Uh, right. I, can't, I couldn't see his feet, but. <laughs> right. Know. Right. You can hear <laughs> them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And again, I mean, Michael just skies on that. Are yeah. you ready? Yes. That's just, just <laughs> amazing. So he could really just belt those high notes. He's amazing that way. It, I loved on this one too. I loved the, um, and this is something I think that I, I, I did really enjoy about the album is the, um, uh, just kind of the doubled guitars when both Oz yes. and Michael are playing at the same time. They, I'll I'll point out that a, a couple of times, and it's nice here. 
Um, the one part that I just, wow, I, looking back on it, I thought, okay, mm, the doo-wop chorus on the second verse. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to say, I like that, Derek. I don't know why. Oh, to each his own, man. To each his own. Listening back, I heard it, and I'm like, you know what? I still kind of like that for some reason. But it's a little odd, but it's, you know, I thought it was fun. I understand Yeah, I understand why you don't, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was certainly unusual to hear that on a metal song. Well, I think, and, and maybe this is something I remember from back then, that a lot of CCM metal albums back then were very much compared to their, I think even more than other genres were very much compared to their secular counterparts. Yeah. So how does it stack up to Van Halen? How does it stack up against Iron Maiden? How does it stack up against Judas Priest? That sort of thing. Right. So, and Van Halen always did these kind of things with their vocals. If you go back and listen to Mm -hmm. a lot of Van Halen, you'll hear kind of doo-wop. So they definitely were kind of pulling from, you know, Van Halen's bag of tricks. And I, I just, just the fact that they made it kind of a do wop wop. I was like, oh boy, yeah. You know, I just that's if they'd have done just some cool vocal harmonies, yeah. I think I'd like that. But as soon as they did do wop wop, I was <laughs> you're done. I was done wop wop. <laughs> Check awesome. please. Right, that's great. <laughs> Cool. All right. Nice. And then uh, First Love is number four. We got the big backing choir at the end of it. I mean, just a soaring, obviously, power ballad. Yeah. And and I think in here is why I first kind of hear Michael Sweet's signature, I don't know what to call it, but vocal swoosh at the end where he kind of, eh, at the very end of his, ah. <laughs> his song. Oh, or yeah. His, Good catch. Where he sings like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I first hear it versus the first three songs. I wasn't really hearing it there, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And the dual guitar solos are really pretty here. Too. Yeah, it's, they are. It's really Very nice. Pretty. Yeah. This kind of made me think of like Cinderella's ballads back in that time. It kind of reminded me of one of those. Um, there again, comparing them to a secular metal band. Right. Yeah. So yep. They, I think they each kind of maybe took a little bit from each other. Yeah. But yeah. And Michael Wagoner was a great white uh, producer. So oh, I think okay. So there's a little bit of that, maybe. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we zip into number five, and I think this, it's called The Rock That Makes Me Roll. Yep. So I think it's kind of a little, one of the first things from Striper where we do that play on words signature. Right. That they do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of like country songs that use a popular phrase and add new meaning to it or something. Um, but I, I like at the end and throughout it's, you know, stand up and fight for what you believe in, crowd yeah. chant in there. Right. Um, yeah. Really stood out to me. I love that a lot. This is very much a, uh, this is going to sound great live sort of song, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, they were probably very much, that was very much on their minds, I'm thinking, while they were recording this. Exactly. Yeah. And then this has the duo uh, guitar. It does. Yes, it does. Yep. 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 It does. And again, that's going to be, I think, one thing that really kind of sets them apart. They They have some really interesting dual guitar things that they do together so it's it's nice that's a that's a definitely a strength of their band is the the dual guitar leads that michael and oz will do together yeah he talks about that coming up in the interview as well a little bit and uh then of course in this song we have another great scream for michael at the end so yes you yeah. know it's a fun one i think every christian metal song in the 80s had to had to have a song at some point that had the word rock in it right 
Yes. Right, of course. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Yep. And then uh, starting side two of the cassette is Reach Out, number six song. Um, this one is very catchy to me. Yeah. Vocal harmonies, absolute, one of my absolute favorites on the album. Yeah. And also the duo solo, uh, great lead on side two. Yeah. I forgot to look this up. Did, was this released as a single? Were any songs from this album released as singles? Ooh, good it, question. I have the single of this, uh, but I think it, I think it may be on the B side of um, the Christmas from Winter Wonderland. Maybe I think maybe they did another version. Oh, or, really? I know I've got a like a al. Actually, it's an album. It's a twelve-inch single of Reach, okay. of Reach Out. I can't remember what's on the other side. I could be wrong, but. Could be computer brains. <laughs> oh no! I knew we had to get it in there somewhere. Yes. yes. No, you're right. Yeah, I did. I did a quick look. Uh, it was yeah. First single was "Soldiers Under Command" and "Together as One." Okay. Front and okay. back. Okay. And then "Reach Out." Yes. Together as Together as One was later in okay. the year. There you go. Yeah. 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 Okay, th- and that that fits what I'd written here. Possible single. So yep, I, that was I, it. I had not looked. Yeah, those vocal harmonies really are nice here. Yeah. And again, more dual guitar work. So yeah, this is the first, uh, I think, inkling that, okay, they're not just a, a lunkhead metal band. They, they have hit potential. Yeah. And so that's, that's really personified or typified here by this song, by Reach Out. Yeah, and I think that any song by theirs where they can showcase their vocals, um, that really yeah. sets them apart. And they obviously they do it here with the acapella beginning. You know, I yep. love the beginning, and and this also like um, makes me want to sing. When they come back after the guitar solo, everything drops out the drums and the vocals, which I absolutely loved it when metal songs did that back in the day because it really got me pumped up. You start singing along, yes. but uh, yeah. it does it again here and reach out. And I think that's uh, that's my favorite part of the song, probably. You mean with the visual timekeeper going I'm on? I'm sorry, the visual timekeeper. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Got to keep our terminology yeah, straight here. True. Right. And then we go into number seven, Waiting for a Love That's Real, it's called. And I think at this point when I was listening, I think I got distracted by the album cover and was looking at the album cover because I have no notes for this song. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> well, so. it starts with a, it starts with a, like a, a very church-sounding organ. Mm-hmm. And then it kicks in with the guitars, and then you realize it's a striper song. So it's an unusual beginning. I kind of like it. Uh, this to me, there again, I'm gonna make another secular band comparison. This sounds like it could be a Poison song, um, okay, from mid '80s. Um, but I think it's a lot of fun. It's a typical '80s metal song. Uh, Michael does the guitar solo on this one, and he does a great job with the lead guitar solo. I think um, a lot of shredding on this song, which is always good. Yep. Yeah. That should have so. caught Dan and back immediately. I know. Should, like, yeah. I looked. At, I must have been looking at the band. Like I said, uh, okay. Right. Yeah, you were a little unnerved by the warheads over by Oz. <laughs> right. Is that a what guitar if, or a warhead? What right. if one of those goes off? That's gonna, <laughs> that's going to be a problem for everyone. Yes, that's great. What do you think, Derek? Uh, yeah, it's it's okay. I it's um, I I think um, yeah, it's it's not the most um. It's not a track that stood out to me, I think, then, and it didn't stand out to me as much uh, this time through. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those that, and I don't remember hearing this one live, so I don't know if they did it live back then or not. Oh, don't, that's don't a good remember. point. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
But and I definitely then, remember the next one live. Yeah. Yes, Together is One. So that, like we just talked about, was released as a single. Um, and I like it. It's iconic, the iconic rock ballad, of course. Yeah. Um, I, th- I like that Michael Sweet doesn't get overly screamy on this one. <laughs> so yeah. I think he just lets his vocals take hold there. Uh, instead, he saves his scream for the next song, but yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but this one I, I like. It just stays, it's just that iconic rock ballad right there. And beautiful dual guitar solo on yes. this one between Oz and, and Michael. It's really nice. It's, it's, it's probably my favorite guitar solo on the album is that. Yeah. That one, or maybe the next one. So yeah, and this one to me, I wrote down is sounds like kind of a prelude to honestly from uh, to help yeah. the devil. You know, same kind of along the same kind of lines. But yeah, this is absolutely a classic striper ballad that you know so many people played at their wedding. You know, back in the day. I mean, just yeah, uh, yeah. beautiful metal metal ballad, a power ballad. Sorry. There you go. It's a power right. ballad. Yep. If they did play at the wedding, they probably played it just with piano. Right. I would, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I wonder true. how that came across. Yeah. Good know. question. <laughs> no dueling guitar solo. In right. The yeah. yeah. They didn't pull out the. Somebody popped out from. The husband and the, the wife man. played the dueling guitar there you solo. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then we then we did. Then we went into the next song. We got surrender. Starts with the, again that Michael Sweet signature high vocal octave thing. Uh, the guitar solo starts with this kind of. I don't know how to pronounce that. Burr, you kind of this sound or something. Not sure what oh, that is, yeah. but but I'm glad they didn't overuse it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, but I liked it where it was. Right. That, that yeah. Was yeah. The way that the way that now, this is, I think, my favorite album. This is my favorite song coming back to the album now uh, mm-hmm. in in 2020. This one, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this song. This is really good. The way he makes that sound is he takes his whammy bar and he just kind of flicks it with his with his finger and, and it causes the whammy bar bridge to vibrate. So oh. it gives it that the, each note kind of a vibration. Oh, so that's the way, that's the way he does that. Okay. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I put down major shredding straightforward. Oh yeah. Case, hard rocking song. Um, harmonies in the chorus are great. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun song. Surrender. Yeah. This is a good one. I like that one. <laughs> and speaking of whammy bars, I think I ate one of those back in the eighties. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ch- chocolate nougat. Yeah. 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 You those they don't make those anymore. Crispy wafers. They don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I used to see whammies on a game show in the eighties too. Uh, Press yeah, no, no whammies. whammies. Yeah. No whammies. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So uh, and then the last one they end with Battle Hymn of the Republic. So another one of these. This is difficult because it's a very well known song. And they put their spin on it. Um, so there's going to be people you know, who love it or hate it. I really kind of like it. I think they do a pretty good job. Yeah, I agree. Listen to it again. I forgot how, in my opinion, how good this version is. Yeah. And um, you know, Michael's vocals are great. The guitars are great. I just think it's a... I think this should be played at every sport, every sporting event. You know, I know there's a lot of controversy with the national anthem. <laughs> That's right. Just one, <laughs> way to, one way to solve it is to play Striper's Battle Hymn of the Republic. You just know? pull this out. Yeah. Everybody will like there, it. Or have Striper show up live at every sporting event. That's and it. Just, right. I mean, it's, the travel budget would be huge, but hey. <laughs> play it live. Yeah. So that, so that ends the, uh, the album right there. Yeah, it's good. That's yeah. it. Yeah, definitely a transition 
album. Uh, they stepped up their game and and getting ready for Hell with the Devil. And uh, yeah. I think, like Dan said earlier, this is really what all kind of began for them. And Dave, do you want to say any words before we throw it to your interview with Michael Sweet? Uh, yeah. So he took some time to talk with us and um, talked with them a lot about Soldiers and then about their new album, uh, Even the Devil Believes. And it's a fun interview. He has a lot of little tidbits that I think that um, listeners going to enjoy. So, yeah, it's uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoy listening to Mr. Michael Sweet talk about Soldiers Under Command. I don't know much about soldiers, but maybe I can give you a little information. <laughs> I bet you can. Well, let's start with, so you guys just came off of the Yellow and Black Attack, and you're going into the studio to do Soldiers. What was the band's vision going in to do your first full-length studio album? Well, I mean, it was uh, an exciting time time for us, because, I mean, you know, Yellow and Black Attack was, for the most part, an EP. We funded it ourselves. So Soldiers was, you know our first shot at not only a full length, but uh, an album that had some more funding behind it with the label. Uh, we had a producer, not that we didn't have a producer in Ron Gowdy on yellow black and black attack, but we had Michael Wagner yeah. who was, you know, really buzzing um, in the metal world, you know, had worked with a, a number of albums and artists that we loved and thought it, it sounded really great. And we were excited to work with Michael. Uh, and it's just a great opportunity for us to go in and kind of prove ourselves uh, with, you know, a full-length album. It was a little rushed because we had a very limited time to get it done. And then we went off to Japan for the first time, so we weren't there for the mixes. But it uh, was, thank God, that we were able to get it done the way we wanted to track it because we knew all the songs. We had been playing all these songs out live for quite a while, so everything went really, really quick when we tracked the, the album itself. What are some of your personal favorite tracks off of Soldiers? Oh, man, that's always a good question. Um, my personal favorites, you know, obviously the title track. Yeah. Uh, that's, I, I think that one really turned out extra special. There's a certain uh, energy, uh, you know, maybe even use the term, the word magic, uh, that it just kind of happened. Everything fell together on that, on that track. Uh, and it's one of my favorites to play live always has been, always will be. And then I would go with, uh, deeper tracks like, um, uh, the rock that makes me roll. Okay. That's definitely one of my favorites yep. on the album. Uh, and I would probably go with uh, something like First Love. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of your first ballads, wasn't it? Well, not one of the first. Uh, probably if you want to go back uh, to the Yellow and Black Attack, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we had uh, released, obviously, uh, You Won't Be Lonely Anymore, which was definitely in the ballad wheelhouse. True. And then we had a version on the re-release of My Love Will Always Show, which originally was heavy. And we recently recorded the original heavy version of that, but uh, I made it a ballad and we put it on the re-release eight-song uh, EP. Oh, okay, I see. All good choices right there, by the way. Now let me ask you about, uh, I know you and Oz on this album, and you do it on several albums. You guys have dual guitar solos. How do you guys work those out beforehand? Who, uh, you know, who comes up with them? I'm sure it's a collaborative effort, right? It is. I mean, back in the day, it was more so. 
you know, because we were in a room together working in a rehearsal room, working out stuff, you know. Uh-huh. So that was definitely uh, more one-on-one mentality. Uh, it, but but it was also different. Like First Love, for example, I wrote that solo. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's a harmony solo through and through every note. Uh, but I came up with the solo and then Oz figured out the harmony to the solo and, and it became what it is. Uh, and, you know, nowadays it's very different because the way it'll work is I'll put together the album and we'll rehearse and then we'll go in. And then when it gets time to to do solos, I kind of have a clear vision on I know which songs fit Oz and which songs fit me. You know, so yeah. like on, on Even the Devil Believes, for example, there's a song called um, Let Him In. And I knew when, when I was writing that song that that's going to be an Oz solo. Okay. I just, I, I knew that it was more fitting for Oz. And yet at the same time, I knew that Do Undo Others was more fitting for me. Right. You know, so I kind of broke it down and said, hey, Oz, what about you do these and what about I'll do these? And he looked at the list and said, yeah, perfect, great. And uh, he did his solos at home. I did my solos at home, and and we kind of ran with that. We're not in the same room as much these days, right? You know, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. But I don't feel that it really necessarily hurts the album or the solos. It just makes them different, right? We're talking with Michael Sweet today on CCM in 3D. And so you guys are known, one of the things you're known for, Michael, is your creative album covers. And the one for Soldiers is a classic one. You guys, a very militant cover. You're you're next to the van. Let me ask you about the van. Where did you guys get the van? (laughs) Well, uh, there's a a dear friend of ours, a woman by the name of Darren Hinton. Okay. And Darren came and saw us uh, way, way back early on. She saw us at the uh, country club in Reseda. And she really liked the band and uh, got behind the band and wanted to invest in the band. And she had uh, come across some money uh, from you know her, her family and whatnot that she inherited. And she wound up investing uh, a, a pretty large amount of money into the band, and we were able to buy new equipment, new clothes, and pay for our first album. Uh, so she is a very giving person. She also wanted to give us gifts as as time went on, and she wound up uh, giving my brother that van. Oh, wow. She gave me a car. Gee. <laughs> you know, she gave me a convertible 73 Cougar XR7 nice. that was hers came from Hawaii, and uh, and she gave that to me, which was really incredible and generous of her. And she gave my brother that van. Her her brother Darby was in a movie. He's an actor. He was in a movie, and that van was used in this particular movie. And I guess it was sitting somewhere, and uh, she wound up somehow in, you know, inquiring about the van and getting the van and giving it to my brother. My brother had it painted, uh, yellow and black, of course. Right. You know, my brother used to own a, a, a an American flag uh, roadrunner. Okay. Or actually, I don't know if it was a roadrunner. It might have been a charger. I'm terrible <laughs> when it comes to muscle cars. Robert knows everything about muscle cars. Yeah. But regardless, he owned, he bought a, a, an American flag. The whole car was painted as a flag. Wow. Stripe. So my brother oh, yeah. drove around town in that. <laughs> Okay, this is yeah. my brother. This is this is his his taste. Right. And and then uh he drove around town in this van that was yellow and black striped. We used to go to the market and come out of the back gate, it would lower. <laughs> 
with the 50 caliber machine gun on top. <laughs> you know, we go in yeah. and get milk and nice. bread and then get back in it and go home. <laughs> it was just kind of kind of wacky, you know. Yeah. You, you certainly couldn't do that in 2020. We'd no. be arrested. Yeah, that wouldn't be good at all. No. Well, I noticed at Striper.com that now fans can order their very own Striper combat van. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, actually, we decided, we thought it would be cool since that's such an iconic, uh, historical piece of Striper, the van. Yeah. Uh, we thought, you know what, let's make it available to people as a really high-end replica toy, uh, you know, and a limited run. We thought that that'll be really cool. <laughs> it is cool. And we decided to do it. It's <laughs> it's it's priced a little bit on the higher side because it's it, it you know, they're handmade and they're really high quality and um it's a limited run. So you get what you pay for, I guess, as the old saying goes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's really cool, man. People that will is. be able to own this thing, and uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Very cool. So the first time I saw you guys on TV was around the time Soldiers had just come out, and you guys did a performance on the GMA Dove Awards. And I remember watching that uh, with my parents, and you guys came out, and of course I loved it because I was a big Striper fan. So I wanted to ask, what was that experience like for you guys You know, to get in front of the GMA like that and kind of introduce yourselves? It was surreal. I mean, nervous. We were very nervous, obviously. Um, we were uh, going into a, a crowd and a club and a market that we weren't familiar with. Yeah. You know, the Christian CCM uh, market, whatever you want to call it. Um, we were just a rock band who became Christians, and we weren't raised in the church, didn't really know much about that whole scene. And when we arrived and we were walking around backstage and we were prepping to perform, uh, it was definitely surreal. I mean, uh, most of the people didn't really have much to say to us, hmm. and it felt like there was this awkward uh you know, wall that was put up and, and we were trying to break through that wall. A couple of people were really inviting and supportive. Uh, and, and oddly enough, a few of those people to name a few would be Pat Boone and Sandy Patty. Wow. They came and sat down with us and talked with us and prayed with us and laughed with us. Man. Uh, the rest, not so much. Well, I, I, Pat Boone, after the uh, performance, usually, you know, when the, the performance happens at a show like that, the MCs will just move on. But I remember Pat actually said, hey, after your performance, I'd rather have American kids go see Striper than Motley Crue or the Rolling Stones. And he got a round of applause for that. I thought that was really cool. Oh, totally. Really cool. And Pat kind of became a champion for us, you know. Mm -hmm. He went on to say other really kind things about the band and seemed always very supportive of the band. And, and I thought that was really cool, especially being Pat Boone. Yeah. So how did Soldiers, in your opinion, set up To Hell with the Devil, where you had uh, all the, the hits on you know, mainstream radio and on MTV as well? What things in Soldiers do you think led up to that? Well, I mean, I think it was a perfect setup in the sense that, you know, we went out, we, we made this raw album in Soldiers and kind of showed the world who we are and, and what we can do. And then we went in and made To Hell with the Devil, which was definitely more, a little more produced, a little more slick, mm -hmm. uh, a little tighter sounding, not so raw. And we showed the world what we could do in that regard as well. You know, when we're given a higher budget and, and we go in and spend a little bit more time doing doing an album. Um, there are things about both albums I don't care for. 
You know, I, I don't know if I'm 100% happy with any album we've ever done, but the goal is to become 100% happy right? and to always improve upon what you're doing. And I feel like our albums now are much closer to that than our albums in the past. Okay. We're talking with Michael Sweet today here on CCM in 3D. You just mentioned your new music, Michael. Let's talk about your 13th album, Even the Devil Believes, which was recently released and man, I'm seeing just nothing but positive comments from fans, from critics. Well, I mean, you know, we always go into every album, and, and speaking for myself, especially, especially me, with the mentality of want to outdo the, the the last album. Yeah. I want to somehow improve upon uh, the writing, the production, the, the performances, everything. And you know, you, sometimes you hit the mark, sometimes you don't. But that's always the goal uh, for us is to outdo ourselves and uh, to release at some point our best. I don't feel that even the devil believes is our best. Uh, And what I mean by that is I think it's our best album to date, but I don't think it's our best Hmm. to come. I think the best is yet to come. And we're going to keep that mentality with every album that we make. And every album I'm a part of, whether it's Striper, Solo, Sweet and Lynch, whatever, that's always the goal. Uh, but I'm really pleased with how this one turned out. You know, uh, I think it really hit the bullseye uh, in in regard to everything. Everyone shines on it. Everyone delivered. The songs are a perfect representation of who we are and who we should be, and where we come from, our roots. And uh, I think it takes you on a, a journey, a really good journey. You don't get bored. Um, there's no filler. Uh, you know, it's all it's all top notch, a side quality stuff. There's no, we never go into it like ah, yeah, that song's good enough. You never hear that phrase "good enough" from us. Yeah, and uh, I think this album re- represents us in an incredible way uh, in 2020 to say, hey, we're still here, we're, we're still making the music of our lives and of our careers, and uh, hopefully, you're gonna you're gonna be there with us on this incredible ride, uh, and we've got a lot more to come. You know, there are several songs on uh, on this album, Even the Devil Believes, that I think have some shades of soldiers in them, like Let Me In, Divider, which is my personal favorite track, and Forgotten Rock and Roll. I can just hear a little bit of soldiers in those. Yeah, for sure. And that's always the goal, you know, to continue getting back to our roots, you know, because we can't ever deny or lose sight of our past. You know, that's what put us here. Yep. Uh, I think a lot of bands do. And, I, you know, when you read the, the rare random comments like, oh, man, it just sounds like the same stuff they always do. Well, of course it does. <laughs> right. And, of, of course, it will. And, of course, it's going to. I don't want to become another band. I don't want to try to reinvent the wheel and turn into something that we're not. You know, Striper is a very unique band in many regards, and I don't want to lose that. Well, let's talk about what it was like recording this album. I'm sure you did some of this during the pandemic, right? We started it pre-pandemic. So I started writing it in December. We started rehearsing in January. And that's right when we started hearing about some cases in China. And then by late January, cases in the U.S. And by that point in time, by early February, we were done with all the basic tracks. And it was just time for me to sing and do my solos. We went to Mexico for a tour. When we got back from Mexico at the end of February, it was a full-blown pandemic, lockdown, yeah. uh, you know, quarantine, all that stuff. Right. And I just went into 
uh, singing mode, which is what I always do. So it really didn't feel like anything out of the ordinary to me, other than the fact I couldn't find toilet paper anywhere, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, but other than that, life felt normal. Okay. I, I went and locked myself in my basement like I always do for two or three weeks. So the timing uh, actually actually worked out for you guys on this. It album. really worked out. I yeah. mean, it was it was it was nothing out of the ordinary for me at all. Okay. Uh, and it was just life and business as usual. And I went down. I tracked the vocals when I emerged and, and had the vocals done. That's when things felt a little different because I did not go into the studio to mix. We mixed remotely. Oh, I see. Okay. So he was there in the studio, the engineer, and I was here uh, on a computer listening with the high def feed, and we were watching each other on on FaceTime, and and that's the way we mixed the album, and it worked great. It's Stripers, Even the Devil Believes. Uh, If you haven't heard it, pick it up, listen to it. It is uh, fantastic, like I said. Of course, you can get that and uh, their other music at Striper.com, along with a lot of other cool things. You could stay up to date with uh, the latest things going on with Striper, right, Michael? Absolutely, man. And I don't know if you meant to say it, but I love it. That's going to be a new catchphrase of mine. Instead of fantastic, I think you said fantastic, <laughs> which is, you know, you know, I'm a big Van Halen fan, and we just yeah. lost Eddie Van Halen. So I love yeah. fantastic. That's awesome. Well, there you go. You could trademark it. I won't touch it. It's all yours, man. Michael, thanks so much for being a part of CCM in 3D today. We are uh, huge fans and just really appreciate your time, man. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. God bless you. Thanks for having me. And to everyone out there listening, stay safe and healthy. And I can't wait to rock with you at a Striper show in the near future. (laughs) 